0: welcome everyone to all about windows phone insight podcast 256 recording this on the 8th of august 2018 yes it's been almost a month Rafe Blanford has been incredibly busy with a major project at his work and just hasn't had the free time, but that is no problem uh, because we wish him well and we have had the opportunity to get a regular on the podcast, Steve Heinrich, back. So hi, Steve.
1: Hello, Steve. Thanks for having me on again.
0: And thank you for fixing a few things on the site, uh, not least the fact that uh, people can now contact us again. <laughs> yep. Yep. get, get
1: <laughs> Submitting things, people.
0: Yeah. This is the capture <laughs> on the contact us page. It's been broken for quite a while and, uh, uh, it was a bit of detective work to, to fix it, but thank you for the effort. And yes, but people can now submit tips and news and stuff without having to go via an email address, which may or may not get referred to me. So that hopefully will keep things simple. Um, also, the AAWP Universal application has been in- updated. A major update uh, by Joe Blumenauer, the developer. So thanks again to him. Better formatting of pages throughout, better reliability, et- reliability, etc, etc. There's a full change log in the application. I'm taking it you've got this installed on one of your Lumia, Steve?
1: Oh yeah, uh every every Windows phone device that I can get it on, I, I put it
0: on there. So There we go. <laughs> uh, trustworthy, reliable, and it's own, but it's double wide on your start screen as it is on mine. Yes. Great way to yep. f- <laughs> it's it's actually very useful because I keep track of the comments on many of the stories. Uh and that's actually quite a pain on the desktop because every page has to be loaded up in full, then you have to wait for discuss to load to load. Uh, in the AAWP Universal application, you can just swipe right, and there you're straight into the comments, and you get the summary of the, those those comment numbers on the home screen of the application in the article list. So it's just a really, really quick resource for for me at least to manage my own site.
1: Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a, an official Discuss app for Windows Ten. I believe <laughs> I'm not sure if it's still around, but I know they've exclusively developed for Windows Ten Mobile. Uh, a universal app, but I don't yeah. know if it's still around.
0: I think it is. And the problem is, though, I, I belong to so many forums and have contributed on so many out around the net that I'm signed in to discuss on about 50 different sites. So, of course, if you go into the discuss app, uh, unless you're very careful, you can get all the updates from all the comments and all the sites, which can get a bit overwhelming. Yeah. So,
1: Yeah, that makes sense, yep.
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, now, a couple of applications. We often feature apps, UWP apps for Windows 10. And in this particular case, you've actually... Use both of them significantly. So let's start with perhaps the biggest one, NPASS. Now, on your Pixel Swim podcast, where the URL is
1: uh, pixelswim.com. There that. we are,
0: just a brief plug. Uh, you have been <laughs> describing your search for a secure database and a place to keep all your notes and secrets and passwords. And uh, you followed my example through KeyPASS, but uh, I think you wanted to go one step further and have something that was slightly slicker. Uh, and available on more platforms. Is that is that a, f- a fair summary that you wanted something slightly slicker, and that's how you ended up on NPass? Yeah,
1: I just found NPass. Uh, I I did like KeyPass; it worked well, but I thought NPass was a little bit more intuitive as far as what I was trying to accomplish. So.
0: Yeah, I I really liked NPass. I thought they'd done fabulous work on it, and it's really come on over the last couple of years. NPass uwp for Windows to mobile and for. And for Windows Phone before it, in fact, and it all syncs up and, of course, Windows 10 on the desktop. My biggest problem, Steve, was that, uh, as ever with these things, it's the importing of data from other systems. That's the problem. And by its very nature, secure databases can't import from other secure databases because they don't know the secrets of how those databases keep their secrets. (laughs) So by their very nature, you have to go via generic delimited text files and that's where a lot of the formatting layout and even some of the content can go missing, I think. So I think for me, nPass would only really make sense if I was kind of starting from scratch.
1: Yeah, and that makes that makes sense because that's kind of the situation I was in. I was in a – the I, if you're going to go with nPass, you definitely want to – if you're – I was in the beginning of my search, you yeah. know, for an, a password manager. So it, it made sense to – I tried out KeePass, and I did even try to uh, – import my stuff from key pass to end pass. And like you said, it's just, it's not the smooth experience. So I just kind of started over and just manually entered everything into N pass. And then, uh, you know, I got way past the, I think it's 20 entries you can have on the, the free version of the mobile app. And so I got way past that and ended up getting the are you know paying the? I think it's uh, nine ninety nine nine dollars ninety nine cents here in the U S. and uh, just for the one time fee to unlock you know unlimited entries. So uh, it's been working super well. Uh, the The fact that that you can use biometrics to log in, I use it on my uh, idle 4s or 4 Pro, and uh, using the fingerprint scanner is really nice. It's a nice way to to be a quick way to to log into it without having to type in, you know, your master password. And, and I, overall, like key pass, I like the fact that the database is kind of stored where you want it to be. And it's not, you know, like, uh,
0: yeah.
1: what is it, LastPass, where they keep a database online of everything. yeah, and, and you have to worry about that security on top of everything. So, yeah, that's probably my favorite part about all of it.
0: Yeah, if I was starting from scratch today, I too would go for EndPass, obviously, but uh, there is a certain momentum now and on every computer I own, on every platform, every form factor, they've all got KeyPass clients. So I think it's a bit late in the day for me to switch now. But yeah, it was very <laughs> slick. Yeah, it's worth noting that a couple of the KeyPass clients for Windows 10 Mobile, they do have Windows solo support, either um, with fingerprint or iris recognition or both. Um, it's, they're not anywhere near as slick as NPass though, but it does exist. In fact, there was one... Uh, password manager steve called password hello uh, it's U- uwp for all windows 10 and it didn't use any kind of blob in the cloud into that was recognizable um, it uses windows own the windows hello apis from microsoft and stored the information in what i guess is any equivalent to apple's keychain in mac os um so that the information is literally held within the windows hello system now the fact that It is a a restricted system. You can't go attaching stuff to a note. You can't put in pictures in. you can't do any extensive notes on entries. But for simple names, usernames, passwords and URLs, it worked really well. And it was completely integrated with Windows Hello. Did you see the story on this?
1: Uh, No, I haven't seen this before, but it looks really (laughs) it looks really nice. That nice integration with Windows Hello.
0: Yeah. I mean, I hadn't realized that the Windows Hello system had some kind of built in data storage uh, i mean i don't know what the limit is if you i guess if you were to plow hundreds of entries into this you might somewhere hit a limit within microsoft's apis but it it's just there's just no reference whatsoever whatsoever to any kind of encrypted blob everywhere anywhere so i just think i thought that was really innovative anyway there we are well it's it's a good option if you want something simple i suspect NPass with all its bells and whistles though is the way to go and it's, as you say 10 pounds as a one-off fee. I guess that's per platform, Steve. So if you had multiple lumias you could use the same that same ten pound would cover it on all your Windows ten mobile phones?
1: Yeah, I've I have it installed on my uh 4S and my nine fifty. But I did also have to <laughs> I I because I do use Android quite a bit, I did have to pay another ten dollars to uh install it on Android.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair enough, though, and there's clearly been a lot of work, and it gets a lot of updates um, once a month or so in the Windows Store, which I think is uh, worthwhile. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Microsoft To-Do, and talking of uh, UWP apps that have been getting updates, Microsoft To-Do has been getting fortnightly updates, and the most recent... uh, I uh, gets uh, the important starring uh, as in making entries <laughs> these are important i want to star them and, and uh, list them separately so i guess if you were managing a project steve or managing your life and you wanted to see what was really urgent you could just bring up the starred view and then you'd see across all your different projects and things to do what you really had to do
1: yeah, I I I haven't used the starred feature yet, but I have been using to do quite a bit. That you know, it's nice to see the <laughs> new features coming to it still and uh I'm sure most of them they're thinking about desktop, but uh it's it works well on mobile. I've, it's it's honestly my go-to to-do app when I do use one. I don't use one very often, but uh I, it's definitely the the cleanest interface <laughs> and yeah. it just works well. So.
0: Yeah, and what, there was an update about a month or so ago which introduced hierarchical lists so that you could nest uh, to-dos within an overall project. So it really does form the basis of a a genuine project manager, maybe not for a company, uh, or certainly not a big company, um, but for projects and things that are happening around the home or the home office, I think this would be just just fine. And the the, the most impressive feature, as you'd expect, with uh, UWP apps that it runs on all these different devices is also that it auto-syncs and instantaneously. And one of the biggest bugbears of... Of course, computing apps in the past has been that you'd you create your project on device A and then you'd have to do some kind of manual sync or export to another device or copy a file over. And like all good modern 2018 services, Windows, uh, uh, Microsoft to do is just a service. It has all your project details, your important stuff, your nested tasks, your stars or whatever, Um, even your your preferences. And they all get synced to all your devices. I just think it's really clever
1: yeah I, I know on days where i'm getting <laughs> overwhelmed with work projects i'd like to get them all you know down in a list so i can uh sort them out and sometimes you know i'll be uh because i work at home so sometimes i'll be you know down in the kitchen and uh i'll you know remember something and i'll type it in on my phone and and then pull it up on my desktop you know when i get back upstairs, it's just a it's it's, it's a yeah. it's really nice that uh that that sort of system so
0: yeah you're too young to remember the old days of computing steve of course um <laughs> Back in the day, I mean, I had a customer here or a friend here earlier today, and he had two phones in front of him. I said, "Well, how do I keep one of one of them backed up, or how do I how do I copy information from one to the other?" And he was still thinking as as I used to do, and it was, everybody had to do sort of pre two thousand and five, where you literally had to copy stuff over from A to B, and we're now so used to everything being instantly synced from A to B to C to D. And you never, ever even have to think about backing up. I mean, on my main desktops, laptops and phones, I can't remember the last time I've plugged anything in to back it up or even plugged in one of my external hard drives to back up my desktop. Because if I think about it, 99% of the things I do are either ephemeral and temporary and they, they get done and then they're done. Or else they, they just live in a cloud blob somewhere on, on Google's or Microsoft servers. It's just a, a different world, but you're too young.
1: <laughs> i'm not that young i mean i do remember some of that <laughs> stuff so
0: <laughs> and yeah, i think i think we live in what we, we would we were called nirvana 10 years ago we're now living in that <laughs> age where nothing really ever gets lost i mean that can might be a, a bad thing on the privacy uh, advocates point of view they say well you, you you do something wrong and it's there in the cloud forever yes it is but equally all the information you really want and you want to refer back to is also in the cloud forever and you can get it back whenever you want so i yeah, think absolutely. yeah absolutely I think it's a good, a good scenario. And staying with the application's theme, uh, Realarm, something else I've I, been recommended for ages. People say you must take a look at Realarm, it's a great app. I thought, do I need another alarm clock? And it's, the truth is, I probably don't. But I had a look at it anyway, and it is certainly very, very slickly programmed and has a few bells and whistles. But I know you're a user, so why do you use Realarm over and above the main uh, Windows 10 alarms and clock?
1: Well, I, I did use the the stock uh, alarm app for quite a while. And then um, I think the main reason that I kind of started using it, if somebody suggested it to me. I was talking about it on my podcast and uh, I was, you know, asking about because on Android, the, uh, the stock clock uh, app, uh, the alarms, yeah. it'll pop up a little notification before you uh, like a couple hours before the alarm is to go off that way you, if you don't need it you can dismiss it or or that kind of thing and so somebody suggested realarm i'd heard of it in the past you know again like you i didn't really think to install an alarm app you know and and i kind of you know had been burned i think a couple times in the windows phone 8.1 days uh with alarm apps that didn't work very well because <laughs> they weren't allowed to do too much in the background but realarm Uh, works super well. And they do have, uh, I think the biggest thing with Realarm is that there's a lot of uh, options and settings, and one of them being uh, a notification before the alarm goes off, so you can skip it if you don't want it. And uh, that's really was my biggest reason. I know it's kind of a one feature to switch over, but once I switched to it, it, I realized how much better it was overall than the stock uh, alarms app. So
0: pardon me for being stupid here why would you want a reminder that an alarm's going to go off and be able to dismiss it before the alarm is actually going to go off i can only think of Um, one use case and that's waking up early in the morning and not wanting to be have the alarm go off while you're making the toast or something but what else right
1: right yeah i use it uh i actually use my alarm app for quite a few things there's an alarm (laughs) uh i set an alarm for the evening uh i set an alarm for getting up in the morning and then i set another one to kind of remind me that I'm you know my work's about to start because I'm at home and so I don't want to sometimes I'll get caught up in something you know before my work's starting and then there's an alarm I set an alarm to kind of give me a reminder to start making my way you know towards my computer and stuff like that so in the evening there's one that goes off at 8 p.m. to kind of I remind my wife and I to start winding down, you know, in case we're in the middle of something. And so sometimes we don't need it. Sometimes we're out, you know, and I'll just, it's nice to have that notification to d- to dismiss it. So if you use more than just a waking up alarm, uh, which I think I've come across people who do uh, use their more than one alarm, it's a nice feature to have because you don't always need it, but it's nice to not have to turn it off and on manually by going into the app. So.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of a double alarm, really. You've got the main alarm, which will definitely sound, and then you get the reminder that, you know, something's going to happen soon, which gives you more of a chance to prepare, I guess. Yeah, yeah. A couple of other stories on the site. Um, Did you see that Sony had announced a 48-megapixel sensor? I called it PureView lives again in my headline. (laughs) Are you looking forward, perhaps, to (laughs) a renaissance of the PureView ideas?
1: uh i do like the idea of peer view Uh, i don't i'm just probably watch this one from the sidelines and see how it goes but um yeah it's it's definitely i think it's probably i think it, the peer view idea is probably the best as far as mobile yeah. photography goes uh especially with the lenses being so small they need to do stuff like this so
0: yeah yeah it's, it's sony's sensor is uses a quad Bayer format which basically means it it uses the pixels in a different way than the original nokia 808 and lumia 1020 so yes there is a high raw resolution and it's still doing some clever pure view like ideas but it's not really the same that's what Nokia did back in the day, but still interesting. And I, I can see a, a time, Steve, that maybe sometime next year, where all the flagships have something like a fifty-megapixel sensor uh, on their main camera, and then the the software and the GPUs do really interesting things uh, based on all, all the pixel information coming in. We, again, the Nokia started us off in the, the whole computational photography scene but it seems to be you know doing well. The Google Pixels take fabulous photographs with a fairly unmagnificent sensor and they produce fabulous uh, photos by compi- combining multiple exposures and other phones have now taken up that idea then and the sensors themselves, like as here, are getting bigger and higher resolution. So I, far from smartphones photography plateauing as i thought it was a year or so ago um i know the lumia 950 is not going to be remade but uh, that that plateau will get exceeded in some significant fashion i reckon sometime next year
1: yeah absolutely i I agree with that
0: (laughs) (laughs) i guess we won't know until we actually get the hardware um you've got your (laughs) lumia 1020 of course that i sent across are you still using that is it just a a toy or do, do you ever attempted to use it as a main device
1: I've been tempted to use it as a main device, but as for now, it's just more of a camera that happens to have a phone on it. <laughs> so so um, I'm sure at some point I'll, because I did SIM unlock it uh, when I got, after I got it. And so yeah. uh, I'm sure it'll make its way in there at some point.
0: And you've got on 8.1 still, obviously. Yeah. 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 Do not move it to Windows 10 mobile. I know I flip flopped this, on this numerous times. Yes, you do gain some of the modern stuff about Windows 10, but you do lose some of the camera functionality um so yes stick on 8.1 and 8.1 is actually perfectly usable for the basics i did a feature on it on the site about two months ago where i went into all the things that worked and a few things that didn't but it's still a a, a much slicker smoother experience on 8.1 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think yeah, when... I
1: did go. With, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I went through a couple. Uh, I was going through the same thing because I had bought a Lumia 920 around the same time you we were writing those articles and trying to, you know, live with it. I think I made it out one day uh, with it on a, a day trip, and it just <laughs> it was nice and it worked, but it was just uh, not the same, you know, as a modern experience. So
0: yeah, at the same time, back uh, two three years ago, when uh, the Windows 10 Insider Builds program started, and we people like uh, you and I, probably, uh, were putting our Lumia 1020s and 920s and 925s and 1520s on the Insider program for Windows 10 and trying out this whole new generation of the OS... Uh, And at the point where Microsoft um, released Windows 10 Mobile officially and pushed it to production handsets, they dropped off the Lumia 920, 1020, etc., all the Snapdragon S4-based chipsets, um, basically saying the user experience isn't good enough. We're not going to push it. We're not going to make this official. If you go to the upgrade advisor, it will not show it. And at the time, I think I was torn on this. A lot of people were complaining bitterly, saying we want our older phones to have the latest OS, but I think in, in hindsight, uh, Microsoft was right, and uh, if, if anybody listening to this actually ever tried a 920 or 1020 on Windows 10 Mobile, they'll admit that the user experience, you really, really, really have to love the OS, and you have to love wanting to carry on with your old hardware to make it work. It's just nowhere near as fast as 8.1.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I, the hardware just isn't made <laughs> for that, and they, they weren't made to to match up, and so I Any, I've always been kind of um, in the mindset of not pushing (laughs) pushing the hardware just for software reasons. You know, I'd rather have that smooth experience. So
0: yeah, the the exception to that would be I actually say on the desktop where you can change out hard disks for SSDs and you can put more RAM in it. So uh, for example, I've got an old MacBook and I've got an old Surface Pro, both of which are years past their sell-by date, and yet by uh, you know, in the, in the MacBook's case, putting an SSD rather than the hard disk and tripling the RAM. Uh, and of course, the Surface Pro started out with SSD, so it was already pretty fast. And in each of those cases, even on running an operating system in the MacBook's case, this eight years newer than the actual hardware, it still runs absolutely fine because you've been able to upgrade it. But um, phones, of course, they are sealed units and you can't, you know, d- double the clock speed or triple the RAM. Otherwise, I think it would work.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, um, now Fitbit Versa. I don't know whether you're a smartwatch or fitness wearable wearer.
1: Uh, I have tried in the past, and I'm actually looking at trying to get. Uh, I know someone who has a Fitbit that they haven't used, that I'm <laughs> trying to get my hands on. So,
0: yeah, Fitbit Fitbits worked pretty well with Windows 10 mobiles. I've been saying on the on the site. I've been using a Fitbit One for ages, and I thought I'd try out the Versa, which is kind of a half smartwatch, half fitness tracker. And it's a reasonable price. It's under £200 in the UK, so I imagine it's sort of $200 over in the States where you are. Um, Did did you have a look at my review screenshots? Does it look like something that's going to... Would that be over the top for your needs?
1: No, I don't think so. If I was going to go into the the kind of fitness band smartwatch world, uh, that's probably... (laughs) Yeah, I would probably not mind all of the functionality that you listed there and they were great great parts two part reviews really in depth and really got a great idea of how it all works and I'm just happy to see that it's a Windows 10 mobile compatible so even if everything doesn't work perfectly so
0: yeah well most of the thing is that most of it did work perfectly and the couple of things that I thought didn't work after reading through the comments people have found well actually there are ways to make it work it's just It's either hidden in the UI and not obvious or just very complicated. So clearly there's an active community of people who have learned how to get every last ounce of of functionality out of Windows 10 Mobile and these these Fitbit smartwatches. So, uh, yeah, if if anyone's actually out there is thinking about it, I reckon the Versa is a pretty good shout. Um, My review, what device had to go back, but, uh, you know, if this was mine and if I was uh, uh, prepared to have something on my wrist 24-7, then I think this would be a jolly fine modern alternative to the sadly defunct microsoft band which i uh i have i'm looking at on my desk right now and wondering whether i should do a retrospective um did the microsoft band back in the day steve that was what two years ago three years ago they did a band and then a band two did you ever have hands on with those those devices no i did want to i thought they looked <laughs> i honestly was
1: excited when they came out with the band and the band two and never got my hands on one but uh or my wrist on one but um i <laughs> <laughs> i i think they i love the i love the design of the band but uh i also do love the fact that fitbit is uh still i mean they've committed to windows 10 mobile and that they'll uh you know that, that that's just you know warms the heart a little bit to hear a company say that these days that isn't that doesn't have to you know especially with the market the way it is so.
0: yeah i think they've basically committed to windows 10 and uwp as a platform right. and windows 10 mobile is kind of coming along for the ride which is which is fair enough that's the whole point of uwp is that the same application would run on all different form factors so they all i guess But the thing is of course you wouldn't wear a fitbit paired to a an xbox <laughs> games console <laughs> or an, and hopefully not a hololens otherwise you probably would be running into things in the street but um but yeah it's nice yeah. To, it's, it's nice to see uwp at work um Surface Go talking of new new hardware um the Surface Go came out a few weeks ago in America it's coming out in a couple of weeks time in the UK and most of the rest of the world now obviously you you know all about the Surface Pros and do you do you own a Surface Pro
1: I've only <laughs> had
0: hands on with them in the store so. okay but the, the, the Surface Go as you may have gathered is a smaller version effectively, of the Surface Pro 4. Um, I did an article called Four Ways in Which Microsoft Missed Me. And I think it's worth exploring this because the Surface Go is their central hardware release of the second half of this year. Uh, and it's very impressive in many ways in what it does. But there are four things that um, that really annoyed me enough annoyed me enough to not even want to buy it to review it as it were and then maybe even return it um i'll just go through the four and you can maybe add your comments first of all that the that the cover keyboard the type cover the keyboard that now if if you look at the q to p spacing on your qwerty keyboard on your standard desktop in front of you steve or your laptop whatever mm-hmm. and then imagine that shrunk down by about 20 or 30 percent I reckon that turns it to what I tend to call a chiclet keyboard something where you really kind of have to concentrate because your fingers are kind of crammed together a bit and that's what they've done on this this type cover and my contention is that they there's still enough width there on the t- that the surface go that if they just re uh reordered the keys so that the q to p was across the whole width of the keyboard things like square brackets curly brackets which you use once in the blue moon they could be on alt all key assignments they could be somewhere else in the layout but they should have made the alphabetic keys that you're using all day long they should have been the same size the same spacing and i think they missed a trick there
1: i've seen uh reviews of people saying that they get they get on quite well with the keyboard uh, but I can see where that might be an issue, especially cramped fingers, and if you if your main thing on there is typing all day, it's definitely going to be probably an issue, at least something to get used to, uh, and, and you, you're going to start feeling it in your hands, I imagine, a lot sooner than the bigger keyboard.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's got a great trackpad, apparently, which is fine um and of course it has got a touch screen. and of course the touchscreen interface to windows 10 is not perfect but it's great to have so as if 90 percent of your use of a surface device would be um touching the screen watching stuff on the screen maybe interacting with the the precision precision trackpad then i think you're okay is the occasional use of the keyboard but if i'm a writer and i, I think for me the keyboard mm-hmm. is central if the keyboard's not great then the whole machine's not great so i think that's the first reason why i wouldn't buy a surface go um or It's all kind of interesting as well because, of course, there's going to be an LTE version. And then in in principle, you could even make phone calls with this thing, carry this as an all-in-one communicator, which is probably stretching the point too far. But it is possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Second point that I really kind of grated with me is that there's no USB-A port. Um, I mean, every every Windows PC I've ever owned literally has had one or more USB ports Uh, Even the Surface Pros, they've all had USB-A, you can plug in a flash drive, you can plug in an accessory. I mean, USB is the standard for Windows computers, and here they've just got a single USB Type-C, and then you'll have to write down the Mac world of needing dongles to do everything, and then hoping that the dongles work properly. And It just seems crazy why they couldn't. They had plenty of room to put a USB-A and a USB Type-C, one on each side, and it would have been a cracking device.
1: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting decision on their part for this uh, to decide to kind of move forward now with just and just one, you know, if you're going to put USB C, at least include a couple of them, you know, or something to kind of make it a little more full featured. But again, and you mentioned this in the article a few times, like, but the price is so low, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I still I think you could at least get a couple of USB ports in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, in principle, you plug in a USB Type C hub, and then that's got extra USB A ports and an SD slot and an HDMI out yeah. and all of that stuff, and and that usually works. But sometimes it doesn't, and it's, it's simple things like you know you, you want to uh, you want no Wi Fi somewhere and you want to connect this to a router. So you that somebody hands you an, uh, an Ethernet cable and you think, well, like where do I plug it? I know I'll use the dongle, and luckily you've brought along your USB Type C to Ethernet dongle, and you plug it in, and it doesn't work and if if the device had a an ethernet port it would work and i've just had too much experience in my life of dongles and adapters bringing up funnies where software drivers aren't quite right and nothing things things don't line up in a row and they just don't work and i'm i'm dubious as to whether the world is ready for a windows type c only laptop
1: uh, <laughs> apparently microsoft thinks so uh- we we shall see
0: (laughs) yeah if i had to buy any windows uh hardware desktop hardware right now i think the one i'd go for would be the surface laptop i mean i've been really impressed by what i've seen about that i haven't had hands-on i mean the surface pros are a a known quantity but they they are quirky with their kickstands and the you know the clip-on covers the surface book is quirky with that whole heavy detachable yeah. lid section the surface studio is kind of weird and uh, arty <laughs> arty and reclining and so forth and underpowered so uh, would you agree that the, perhaps the surface laptop is the pick of the surfaces right now
1: yeah it's kind of funny that you say that because i've looked at uh you know my next laptop potentially being the surface laptop uh, obviously upgrading it to windows 10 pro because i think still out of the box they come with 10s on them uh which is kind of weird but uh Yeah, I think personally, I'm just a traditional kind of laptop person. And so uh, that display ratio and and the touchscreen and stuff. Yeah, I think the Surface laptop looks really nice. My one concern with it is that is the repairability and the upgradability of it uh, with most of these Surface devices is kind of a pain in the neck. You know, We talked a little bit earlier about swapping in hard drives and RAM, but that's kind of out of the question with with the Surface laptop and, and any of these Surface products, really.
0: I think that probably applies to any modern computing device, though. I I, yeah. I think the repairability of you know la- laptops and hybrids from LG and Asus, I think they're just as bad. I think to get devices as thin and highly specified and highly packed together, you just can't have you know battery doors and hard drive doors and all the things we used to take for granted. Right. But um, the S yes mode thing, I know this is veering away from Windows and mobile, but just, just briefly, what's your opinion of this? s mode thing i mean in principle it's a brilliant idea to restrict users to just having store applications so they can't get themselves in trouble and they don't have to phone you in the middle of the night and say stave my i've got some sort of spyware on, or ransomware on my computer and nothing's working because they you know they can't sideload apps but i just know that for myself if i had a laptop with s mode i'd do the switch back to normal mode within an hour because i there was something with something within my workflow would need that full windows 32 compatibility
1: yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I think there's situations and people that I would love to give a 10s computer to. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, obviously for anybody who needs to do any more than what's in the store, you you even just one thing, you yeah. know, even just yeah. one thing, you have to upgrade it. So yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, it's definitely has its place, but not with me. So
0: yeah. And the really weird thing, and I have this is the rant, which is the reason I mentioned it. The really weird thing, which is worth saying is that people don't realise that if you switch from S mode to the full Windows 10 experience, which apparently only takes a few seconds... Um, basically you know enables you to install apps from anywhere etc sort of unlocks windows 10 to its full potential the really really weird thing is you can't then do the same switch back to s mode you'd have thought you actually you end up having to wipe the entire device and reformat and reinstall the whole of windows and all of your data just to switch it from one mode to the other so i cannot for the life of me see if they can switch it from s mode to the full un- unlocked version why they can't then switch it back again with a simple toggle
1: yeah you think <laughs> you would think that would be a logical thing to do so hopefully hopefully in the future we'll see
0: i yeah. guess so but basically then you'd have your auntie maude or whoever phoning you up in the middle of the night <laughs> and saying steve um i need to do something and you you'd talk her through out of getting out of s mode to do that particular tricky thing and you fix it for her maybe remotely or however then afterwards you revert it back to s mode so that she's now safe again as it is you do the tricky thing in the full mode because that's what she needs for that moment but then you're completely stuck and then she's completely wide open for the future it just makes no sense not to have this thing being reversible anyway
1: yeah i agree
0: rant 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 number three still on the (laughs) subject of the surface go bezels i did find that the uh the the bezels here are rather large on such a small device i mean i I guess that comes down to value for money and trying to keep the cost down but it did seem like they uh, are there's still rather too much black around the screen
1: um, I'm. <laughs> I think it's fine <laughs> on a on a tablet. Uh, it makes bezels make sense way more sense. I think bezels make sense on every device uh, until okay. they can figure out a way to for accidental touches. You know to to not be an issue uh, as much. You know I mean obviously they you know they take some measures, but uh, on a tablet especially. Uh, I mean that's something you're holding. You know a lot of yeah. times in your hand carrying around. You want you know that kind of thing. So. Uh, I think it's you know it's a personal taste thing too uh, at the same time, but uh, I think function it functions on a on a tablet just fine in my opinion. So.
0: I think you know that's a very good point. Of course, I'm viewing the Surface Go as a mini laptop, in which case it will be propped up with the kickstand, with the keyboard in place, and I wouldn't be touching the 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 screen section at all. I mean, I I, I doubt I'd rarely ever use it as a quote tablet. But you're absolutely right. If your Surface Go is primarily designed for in the classroom or enterprise as a tablet onto which you can clip on a keyboard and cover if you want and you can use the kickstand if you want but yeah as a tablet i agree i think you're right maybe that's why the bezels are there um uh, lte my fourth point was that there's no lte i cannot see why for life of me why given that lte is a known quantity and has been for many years why the lte version which is by far the sexiest version that almost every self-respecting geek would want is not, it's going to be another three or four months down the line. That seems like an incredible delay. I mean, maybe they're just trying to hit the start of the new school term in America and UK and so forth, but it just seems a bit weird.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think the, they, <laughs> they really should have, that would have been, you know, the icing on the cake for this thing. I think if they could have got that version out there right away, especially not even just from a school perspective, but from a business perspective, you Yeah, know, because if you can take these out in the field, uh, and and use them as you know, uh, devices, remote devices for your you know your workers to to use on site, and uh, it really uh, yeah it was it, it was a little bit of a letdown that they didn't that they were uh, didn't release it right away.
0: Yeah, you can imagine if they had started off with the LTE version and the versions reviewed, which the reviews reviews have been pretty good at anyway, but if the LTE version was the version being reviewed, then the reviews would be even better. And then you could say, OK, well, the version reviewed is $799 in the estates, but it starts really 350 or 399 or whatever it is for the version without LTE. And you think, well, that's fine, I can live without LTE. And that, wow, that's so incredibly cheap. But to start with the just the Wi-Fi and then work up to the LTE, which will inevitably be much more expensive. Just seemed like a well, a marketing trick that got missed. But, uh... Yeah, I agree. I think we're out of time, Steve. This is just meant to be a quick snappy podcast to while away the time and the weeks until Mr. Rafe <laughs> Blandford is free. But thank you very much for filling in at short notice.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on again.
0: And for all your work on the site. And people can see the site, of course, uh, allaboutwindowsphone.com. And thank you for your comments. Leave them after the, the media post on the site for this podcast and yes hopefully mr rafe blandford's dulcet tones will be in your earbuds very very shortly bye for now